Welcome to the Mindful Moments for Families and Schools podcast. This is Kelly Winkler, your host. If you are a parent or a teacher who would like to have a more peaceful, calm, and centered environment, then you are in the right place. In this podcast, we will learn to weave yoga and mindfulness into your daily routines to help both you and your children be able to regulate your emotions, feel connected, and be resilient. I'm excited to share these incredible tools with you, so let's get started. Welcome back to Mindful Moments for Families and Schools. This is your host, Kelly. Today, I'm thrilled to have on Jessica Klasnick. For the past five years, Jessica has led her family of five on a journey of discovery, recalculating what happiness means to them, breaking away from the societal norms of how life should be, and intentionally living life each day and on purpose. She believes that massive change isn't something reserved just for her and her family. It is available to anyone with a willingness and readiness to change. As a certified life coach with the Life Coach School and a graduate of Rama Institute for Applied Yogic Science and Technology, she works with a library of tools to create change that include causal coaching, meditation, and future focus principles. These techniques focus on a mastering of the mind to create lasting effects. She doesn't teach you how to recreate her best life. She teaches you how to discover your own. I'm excited for you all to hear this conversation with Jessica. She has an absolutely fascinating story and so many wonderful tips to offer us. So let's dive in. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to chat with you. You have such an interesting story. So let's start there. Tell us your story. All right. So it was just about five years ago that my husband and I were living a normal suburban life in Denver, Colorado. We had you know, a sprawling house out in the suburbs. We had three healthy kids. They played baseball. They did piano. My husband had a job, a corporate job. He worked on Wall Street and he would travel Monday through Friday. So looking back on it, we had checked all the boxes for all the things we should have wanted. Um, a 401k, a good paycheck, health insurance. And we were so grateful and we were happy but we weren't fulfilled. So my husband and I decided that we were going to start reprioritizing. And what that looked like was one of our family values had always been to spend a lot of time together as a family. But with his job and him traveling Monday through Friday, it left us 48 hours on the weekend for that to happen. And so we decided to change that up. How could we spend more time together as a family? And we brainstormed all of these ideas, we thought of out, outside of the box things like, well, he could just quit his job and I could start working and then maybe he wouldn't have to travel as much. And we thought, well, maybe we could rent an RV and we could 
get in an RV with our kids and, and go from sales meeting to sales meeting and see the country and explore that way. And what ended up happening was we decided to homeschool our kids and start traveling with him while he worked. Well, that just kicked off a whole slew of adventures for our family. A year later, he left his job on Wall Street. We decided to use our savings and take a trip around the world with our kids. So for the better part of 10 months, we traveled from New York City, made 20 stops, and ended up in Sydney, Australia. So, And since then, we've just continued to reprioritize figuring out what really matters most to us and how to achieve that in our life. So it's been a very exciting and adventurous five years, <laughs> to say the wow. least. That's an incredible, incredible story. And so where are you now? Where are you living now? Well, funny enough, so after we got back from our around the world trip, we just thought he would pop back into his old job. We would move back into his our old house. The kids would start up baseball. And we had changed so much during that time that none of that felt right. So we sold everything we owned. We moved into a two-bedroom condo in a small mountain town in Colorado called Breckenridge. And we lived there for the better part of two years. We, we did end up traveling in an RV. And most recently, we ended up getting a condo back in the city of Denver. And we now split our time between the mountain town and the city town. So that's where we are now. Um, and we're just going to see where the adventure takes us. It's such a great story. And, you know, I just, I think about it and I just think about all of those choices that you were making so brave, really, because you were really going against what the norm is, right? What, what we're expected to do. And it's really was, it's really inspiring uh, how brave you and your husband were to just sort of jump in and make those really, really big changes for your family, you know, with that goal of wanting to, to be together more. I, I just, I love it. Yeah. I mean, it took some time, right? From, I would say the first time we started talking about it till when we actually did anything was about a year. So I think so oftentimes people hear stories like this and they get really excited and they sit down and start thinking about it and think on Monday they have to leave their job and, you know, <laughs> go do their big dreams. And it, it doesn't always look like that. But I think the most important thing we did was we took it one step at a time, right? We made sure we had the savings. We made sure we had our health insurance lined up, all the things that were important to us that we knew we needed to make that happen. Yeah, that's really important. It's true because you can look at the whole big picture, right, and, and get swept away in how, you know, all the big things that you have to do. But, you know, you, you made those big changes after probably making some, like you said, some smaller steps. So if parents are listening and they're thinking about, starting to make some small intentional changes, what is some good advice that you might give them to get started? I think the most important thing, and it sounds so simple, but we don't ever do it, is to think about what do you really want? If you were to put aside all of these expectations you have as far as where you think you should be in your career or the certain type of house that you should have or the certain kind of vacations you should be taking, if you were to put that all aside and really look at what you want, what does that look like? 
and then work backwards from there. Because I think what happens, Kelly, is too often we just want what we think we should want. And then we start working towards it and we get it and we're like, wait a minute, I don't even really like this. <laughs> and then it just feels so unfulfilling. So if we really start with that like very simple step of, of checking in with yourself and deciding what you want, um, it's the best place to start. I love that tip. It's really about the intention. I mean, I, I know that I started trying to even just set my weeks up with an intention, you know, like the, with, with the little stuff and, you know, on Sunday night, just, just thinking about, you know, what I, what I want to happen during my week. And I think it's so true that we do live a great portion of our life to, expectations and what we think, like you said, what we think we're supposed to do. And, and I know that I'm, I'm seeing this now I have it's my two oldest children are 17 and 15. And so they're my 17 year old, definitely, she's starting to look at colleges and what she wants to do. And um, her and my son the other day, were talking about it. And, and so we were talking about different careers. And, you know, they really have been trained to think like, oh, I, I have to have this career. I'm like, well, what are you what are you interested in? Well, I'm interested in this and such, but they don't really make a lot of money. And, you know, and so it was, you know, we had this whole conversation about like, well, what do you think is success? What's success to you? And what yeah. what is going to be important in your life? Maybe it's not necessarily that really big paycheck or the really big house. And I think that that's a conversation that that parents should really be having with, with their children and, and they should be, you know, you're doing, doing it the best way you're modeling that for your kids. So that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of, you know, just our situation uh, when, uh, when my husband and I were buying the house we had had in the suburbs and I kept telling the real estate agent, I just want to entertain. And we've got, you know, we got this big house in the suburbs and I just don't even like entertaining. I don't know why I thought that was important. <laughs> I want my friends to come over in their sweatpants and we could sit on the couch talking. I don't want to entertain a lot of people. So it, it really just goes to show how you like get this idea in your head of something you should want and something you should be doing at the specific age you're at. And it might not even be something you like, but you think you should like it or want it. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I can identify <laughs> with that. We're, we're actually doing construction on our house right now. And it was like a, so many people were giving us their opinion. Oh, you should do this and add a bedroom here and put this there. And what, you know, and my husband and I sat down and we talked about like, okay, what's really important to us, yes. you know, like what are, what are the things like, yeah, we could spend all this money and add on all this extra space and all these have all the extras, but is that really what's going to make us happy? You know, what's important to us, like spending time, where do we spend time with our kids, with our four kids, like, you know, our kitchen and our family room, those are the two places that, you know, that's like the heart of our house. And that's where I want to put the focus in. Like, so it's, it's true, but, but everybody was saying like, oh, well you should have this and you should have that. And for resale value, you add this and do right. that, you know? And I'm like, but that's not really, I want to have, you know, what's going to make our, our day to day more joyous and feeling fulfilled. Exactly. I mean, you're going to be living in it, right? Like right. don't just plan for when you're going to sell it. Sell it. Right. It was so crazy to me that people were saying that to us. Yeah, so so um, normal. 
Yeah. So, so, you know, we get swept up for sure. We definitely get swept up in it. So your transformation, you must have had to let go of a lot of things. And I know that that's, that's really difficult for some people and especially for children. So how did you work through that process for yourself and, and for your kids? Yeah, this is a really interesting question because for me personally, I had to let go of the feelings that all of the belongings and the things that we had gave to me, right? So having this big house and I'm into decorating and I love fashion and and nice furniture and nice things, it made me feel really secure and it made me feel like all of our hard work was worth it. But really, those those items, those things didn't give that to me. I could feel that way no matter what. I was just choosing that those were important to make me feel secure and confident. So when we were traveling and we were staying in, you know, studio apartment Airbnbs for the better part of a year and the only belongings we had were a suitcase, it really made me evaluate like how am I going to feel confident? How am I going to be certain who I am without all of these nice things? And it it really was a like eye-opening experience. So much so that when we came home, we sold all of it and said we didn't need any of it. So I think just letting go of that feeling that you want to have by having all of these things, consuming all these goods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I just um, talked about on a, on a podcast about giving our, our kids um, how building their self-confidence and not looking externally for that, for, for them to teach them to look internally, to build their own confidence, to be proud of the the traits and the skills that they have looking inside. And I think that's a similar thing here. Instead of looking to get those feelings from external things, right? We have to more look inside internally to to find our joy and our happiness. Yeah. And that's hard to do. (laughs) It really is. It's really hard. Much easier getting a nice purse than try to figure out how you can make yourself happy. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It's not an easy task to do, but I think so, so important as, as I think that you have, you have found in, in that whole process. I mean, you, you got to experience that travel and, um, you know, know that you could find joy outside of, of all the things, but most people won't be able to do that. So I wonder, do you have any tips on like, you know, say you want to, you know, minimize or mi- go, go for the minimal and, and clean out with your children, whether it be their toys or their clothes, or do you have any tips on, on how you were able to help your kids through that process when you started selling everything and paring down? Yeah, I think the first step in doing that is just to take a step right? So if you want to pare down the things you own, don't start off saying, I'm going to go through my whole house and get rid of everything. Start by saying, I'm going to get rid of the things in my kitchen I haven't used in the last year, 
right? Like it's all the things you think you're going to use for Christmas dinner or for Thanksgiving or for Easter that you never use. Just start by getting rid of those. And what I think is important to do is when you're actually donating those or whatever you decide to do with those is see how you physically can feel different by removing some of the clutter or some of the, the things that you've bought in your house. Like when, when we did that at our house, our house physically felt lighter and I physically felt lighter as a person, like it wasn't weighing me down anymore. And, you know, we live in the smallest house we've ever lived in. And we were talking about this over dinner a couple of weeks ago, picking out, my kids were picking out where their favorite place we've lived is is. And all three of my kids picked this house. And I think it's because everything in it is purposeful and meaningful to us. There's no like junk laying around or things we don't use. And it just feels so good to be here. Mm. Yeah. Everything like that word again with intention, right? Everything yeah. has, everything has its purpose, what it's intended for, if it's useful and then, then yes, you keep it. And if it's not useful to you, you can let it go. Yeah. That's exactly. really, yeah, really great advice to start, start with one place though. And I think, you know, too, with, with our kids, like starting maybe, um, you know, with, with a certain number of toys or something like that, that can help them to just do it in a slow, slow progression. Yeah. And for my kids, it's fine. They have like this bin, they each have this bin that they get to keep all of their special things in. When we were in our old house, it's funny how we would buy things just to fill the space or because we had the room. So they had, you know, 20 sets of Legos when one was their favorite. So we just kept that one set and they've never missed any of it. There's literally over the over the five years since we've done this, there's been one time my middle child asked for this toy he had that we had gotten rid of. So, I mean, we're not missing things. We think we're going to miss all these things. We're really not. We just forget about them when they're not important. It's so true. I, there's been a few times where, you know, stuffed animals seem to collect <laughs> and yes. um, especially yes. with my girls, um, not, not with my 17 year old anymore, but uh, my youngest is, is a girl and she's six and she still wants to hold on to those stuffed animals. And, and oftentimes I'll, you know, I try to have her just, let's pick your favorite five and then we're going to get rid of the others that have accumulated. And um, sometimes I'll just like, put them in a bin and put them away. And like, if she doesn't ask for it after a month, like, then I know it's like, okay, we can get rid of it. <laughs> but it's true out of sight, out of mind, you know? Yeah, Kelly. And I also think it's important, and this is kind of hard for us moms to hear, but check in as a parent with, if you're buying your kids lots of things, why are you doing that? what is the motivation or what is your intention behind getting them lots of presents or every time you go to Target buying something new and see if your intentions align up with how you really want them to be receiving gifts. We, When we did that and we really evaluated, like, why are we buying all this stuff? It was because we weren't spending the time we wanted to with them. So we thought if we go to Target and get a toy, that that would make it feel better. And it didn't. Instead, now with no toys, we just spend all of our time together. And that really gets to like the crux of the situation. Yeah, I love that. We we also a couple of years ago started 
telling the grandparents and aunts and uncles like, okay, uh, we have a very big family. So we were saying, okay, like they don't need any more things. They don't need any more clothes. Even they don't need any more shoes or toys. We want them to have experiences. So, you know, yeah. pick them up and, and take them to the museum or take them to the park yeah. and just play, you know, for the, for the afternoon with them and let that be their gift. And um, so we really have been trying to hold true to, to that and just be gifting experiences and time together. Yes. And yeah. all of my best memories from my childhood were, you know, when I took a road trip with my dad for work when I was 12, or, you know, when my mom took me shopping for my 16th birthday, it was the, it was the time with them that I really remember versus what I got. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. When you think back to your memories, it's the experiences. It's not the things. Always. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that you have a strong meditation practice. Do you practice meditation with your children as well? Yes. Yeah, so my kids know a handful of meditations. When we were homeschooling full-time, which we did for about five years, and we made a transition this year, but meditation was part of our homeschool curriculum, so they always did it. But what I started to notice is they were giving me some resistance. They weren't wanting to do it. It wasn't really connecting with them. So now, instead of making them do it or having that be part of our curriculum, they get to choose to do it. And it's interesting because I'll see them meditating in different ways for different things that I would have never thought they would use meditation for. Mm. And I always allow them to see me meditating. Like I think I never close the door and turn off the lights and make this like my private time. Like they can walk in and out. They see what I'm doing. They see the ways I use meditation. And I have a meditation practice I do in the morning, but I also use it I call it prescriptively throughout the day for different, if I'm feeling stressed or if I need some energy, I'll meditate for different reasons throughout the day. So they're always seeing me meditate. So what I'm hoping that does is it just imprints on their psyche, huh, I can use meditation exactly how I want to. I don't have to lock myself in a room for an hour in total mm -hmm. silence. It can be a, a very daily practice for me. So particularly with my 14-year-old, the breathing stuff, I'll see him uh, incorporating into his daily life, which has been pretty exciting. Yeah, that's beautiful. And and I I agree 100% that, um, you know, I, my kids also see me meditating. They, I weave it in through, through our day with them. And, um, I think that's, that's even more powerful than, like you said, taking that 40 minutes, setting that time aside. And because if they can see that you can make it fit into your day, it's so much more accessible to them. And then, you, like you said, you'll see them using it where, where you might, might not even expect them too. So I love that. Yeah. I love that. If meditation is such a personal thing. Like, even though I'm their mom, who am I to tell them when they should meditate? Like, they're going to know if, if they're in tune with their body, what's going to be best for them, whether that's breathing or whether it's a meditation for more energy. And it's nice that they can do that and start learning that at such an early age. Because, you know, I was figuring all of this out in my 30s and 40s. So... <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's the goal of this 
podcast is to get all this information out there to parents and teachers so that kids can learn this young because same thing for me I I I learned these tools in my 30s and boy would it have been helpful to have have these tools earlier much much earlier in my life as as a child so yeah yeah it's great so we are speaking about helping our children to become confident when when I we, you and I spoke and not focusing on um, what others think about them and I thought this was an interesting topic that we had talked about so I want to talk about that again today and can you tell us how do you do that with your children because that's a really another tough concept to to learn yeah so I think so often part of the 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 societal norm in parenting is like, oh, Tommy hurt your feelings and now you're sad. And so the kids learn that other people can hurt their feelings or say things that are going to affect them. And one thing I really tried to show my children is that anybody in this world can say anything about you and that's just their thought about you. You have to decide what you're going to do with that. And so it gives them the power to determine if that's going to change how they're feeling or not. And that's so important for kids because they get a lot of feedback nowadays. They get feedback from teachers. They get feedback from soccer coaches and piano teachers and grandparents and friends that they need to have a way to filter through it before they start spinning in confusion of who am I? Am I a the good student like my teacher said I am? Or am I the slow runner like my soccer coach told me I am? How are, am I going to differentiate what I am? And, and when they learn that what all of these people say about them are just those people's thoughts – they can really be empowered to have their own thoughts about themselves. I love that. Yeah, because as, and, and even more so today with social media, you know, seeing oh, oh yes. seeing the the pressure. I I <laughs> I was recently I took my daughter, it was her 17th birthday, and I um, took her and her again, we were not giving gifts. So I said, what do you want to do for your birthday? So I took her and uh, four, three of her friends to my family's lake house for the weekend. And, um, you know, they were having the blast and they were taking pictures and, and the whole thing. And then I just saw some of them just being feeling so pressured on which picture they should post and did this look okay and and I you know I kind of sat them down and I said guys like let's just enjoy our time here and you're you're putting a lot of energy into worrying about what picture you're going to post for what people are going to say about it and if people are going to like it and and you know it was it kind of made me sad to see to see some of these girls just so they felt so right stressed about it you know and I think that that all comes from them getting that feedback and and their the way they feel about themselves is based on how many likes they're getting on their photos and that's a slippery slope yeah I mean it as parents, I think the thing that we're trying to teach, teach our kids is how do you feel about yourself 
when there's no other input from the outside world. Because really, that's how you can gauge, you know, if you're being the kind of person that you're wanting to be, if you're, you know, taking ownership of the things that you want to do in your life. And it's hard when they're literally getting programmed with the thumbs up and the thumbs down for their brain to process like this is good or this is bad. Um, And I agree, that does get to be a very slippery slope. Yeah. I was listening recently to, um, I'm not sure if you know, do you know Natasha Daniels? She's a, she's a a child um, therapist and she does, she has a great YouTube channel and she talks a lot about um, helping kids who have anxiety and and OCD. And she was doing um, a talk about, about um, confidence and about how we feel about ourselves. And she, she um, worded it to the kids and she said, you can either be a flagpole or you can be a kite. And the kite is going to let other people pull your string and make you go every which way. And it can make you soar really, really high, or it can make you come crashing down. Or you can be that steady flagpole that that flag flies. And no matter what happens, no matter what wind comes, or somebody tries to bump into that pole, that pole is steady. That's sort of like keeping steady about how you feel about yourself is what what she was saying, which I thought was a great analogy. I love that just because, right, the flagpole is so sturdy and it, it you know, it has a sole purpose and it, it, it raises that flag. So that's a really interesting analogy. I really like that. Yeah, I thought it was so interesting too. And I, I, I think it's, it's a great way for kids to, to visualize that because yeah. it's, a, it's a hard concept. So do you have any certain tips that you can give specific how you, how you work on this with your kids? Yeah, I think one of the most important things is the thought work that we do around what they think about themselves as a person, right? So oftentimes, like when I was younger, my whole self-identity was formed through the feedback other people gave me, right? So I was a very good student. So when my third grade teacher told me I was gifted, that meant I would gift, I was gifted. And so I performed to a certain level in school to live up to those expectations of what others have, where I think if I were to start to have cultivated that on my own earlier, I would have realized how creative I was as a child. I never realized that because I was always such a student and involved in my studies. So I think the best way to cultivate that is to really let your children explore and be who they are without putting an expectation or a title on them of like we do it in the in the best meaning of intentions like oh you're such a good you know student but when that starts to become their identity and they start to morph who they are to fit that that title that's where I think it can be tricky. So really allowing our kids to be lots of different things, be a star student, be an artist, be a singer, be an athlete, try out all these different parts of yourself and see the one you have most fun with and then do that for a little bit and then see the other one you really enjoy and do that for a little bit and really cultivate all these different sides of of who we are as people because I think we're really multidimensional and the world really tries to make us singular dimensional um, in that respect. I love that. Yeah. It's almost like 
allow them to be curious with themselves. And I think that the whole perfectionist thing comes into play here because I think we have a tendency to, to want to be what we're best at, but that doesn't, you know, we can be (laughs) naturally, right. You can be naturally a student, but that doesn't mean that you have to just be a student. Like you, maybe you want to be artistic. You don't have to be the best artist, but if you enjoy it, go with it, you know, like explore. Like just be curious what you could experience. I think that's, that's the key of like keeping their curiosity going about themselves. Exactly. And the world around them too. When we were homeschooling full-time, part of our curriculum involved them spending one hour each day learning about anything they were curious about that day. And I mean, think of the last time we did that as adults. That, you know, that's rare to come by where you take an hour to just learn something new that you want to learn. And I think that 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 capacity to learn and the capacity to be curious about the world and yourself will serve you in so many ways, you know, particularly if you do it at a younger age. Yes, definitely. I love it. Well, I would love to hear some of your favorite things that you've experienced with all of these amazing intentional changes that that you've made over the past five years. What are some of your favorite top things? Yeah, so I would say one of them is just the way our life slowed down. And I, you know, I think with COVID and with everybody being home more, we've seen that, but it's very different when you're forced to be at home than when you actually choose to slow down. So I think just if everyone can can see some of the silver lining that the last year has provided for us as far as removing some of the activities and the ways we keep ourselves busy, that before we start adding them in, just do it with purpose. Make sure everything that we're adding in, we're adding in in a very purposeful and meaningful way and something that's providing value for us just versus something we think that we should be doing. So I think that would be kind of one of the biggest things we've experienced. I think the second thing is we just, Kelly, we just have more fun. We have dance parties in our kitchen. My kids laugh with me. I I love hanging out with my kids. And I have a teenager. And so that's not the cultural norm is to love having a teenager. And he is so fun. So we've just experienced this new level of enjoyment of our life. And I think that's because we're doing things that are important to us. And we really evaluated, you know, what stays and what goes. And so I I would say those have kind of been the two biggest things. And, and of course, of side of like seeing the world, that was obviously incredible. Different cultures and countries and food. And that was amazing as well. Yeah, it sounds incredible. But I, I love what you you chose as your top two. And your kid, the memories uh, that, that you're creating oh. for your kids are just incredible. And it's, it's really, really, your story is just so, so inspiring. So I, I just want to thank you. We're not, we're not quite done yet, but I just want to thank you for sharing it with, with me and our listeners, because I, I think it's, like I said, just so inspiring. Thanks, Kelly. And I think the cool thing is I remember years ago before we did all this and I would hear stories of families doing really interesting things. And the goal, whenever I share this, isn't isn't to say I think you should take a trip around the world. It's to it's to say figure out what's your what's your trip around the world. 
what's the thing that you've been dreaming about or wanting to do and take one small step to do it. Just the smallest step to move into the, you know, energy of creating exactly what it is that you're wanting. And sometimes that's really all it takes. People think it has to be this big, huge overhaul. It doesn't always have to look like that. Yeah, that's really, really important for people too, because I think sometimes people get maybe get overwhelmed at the thought of making changes and then so they don't do anything because it just seems like too much. Exactly. Yeah. And really, even if we had never done our big trip, just the fact that we decided that we wanted to spend more time together and we made that a priority probably would have been enough, right? We decided we wanted to do that, so we did. But I mean, it's not even that you actually have to achieve the thing. It's the process of getting there and the person that you're going to become while you're working towards that that's going to get you everything you want. It's really fascinating how it happens. Yeah, it, that's it's really true, right? Because once yeah. you set, let's setting that intention, once you set the intention and you follow it, it's going to lead you, you know, even like you said, if it's small steps, it's going to lead you to, to that goal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? And then I would love for you to let them know where they can connect with you. Of course. Yeah. I actually have one more thing I want to share because I always get all these questions about how amazing traveling would have been or how you know fun it would be to live in the mountains and sell everything you own or live in an RV, you know, and travel around the US. And all of those are great. They were so fun. But I just want everybody to know that there's bad stuff too. <laughs> Like, when you're doing stuff like this, it's just not all unicorns and rainbows, right? Like kids get sick still, parents pass away, you know, you spend more money than you thought it was going to, you know, you budgeted Mm -hmm. for. So don't ever think that the place that you want to be is better than where you're at now because there's going to be stuff you like and you don't like even when you're in that dream place that you want to be. And I think when you're just aware of that and you know that ahead of time, you're like, oh, okay, this isn't supposed to feel like perfect or, you know, exactly how I thought it would. There always is going to be some good and some bad in anything we do in our lives. I love that. It's the duality, right? I, I talk about that yeah. a lot about, you know, we can feel multiple things. You can feel grief and joy. You can experience happiness and sadness all all wrapped up in one. And and I that's I guess true too with experiences. You're gonna there, there's gonna <laughs> yeah. be part of the experience that's gonna be fabulous. And then there's gonna be parts that didn't meet your expectations or you had a mishap happen, right? And I, I think if you go in open to everything, it can, they can become little speed bumps instead of big roadblocks, right? Yeah. It won't derail you. It won't. I think sometimes people think if something goes, you know, bad or wrong, and I say that with air quotes, Mm. that, that they think, oh, this must, this probably isn't what I should be doing, (laughs) right? right? Or this ruined everything. And it's like, no, that's just part of it. It's just part of life, the good and the bad. Yeah, very good point. So thank you for sharing that. And where can we connect with you? 
Well, so over these last five years, so oftentimes people would tell me, I wish I could do something like that. You're so lucky. And I don't think I'm special. I think we didn't have a big trust fund. We, you know, worked hard and saved some money and used our savings. And so I became a woman's life coach because I think women hold the capacity to really help families reach their dreams. And I think if when we when we work with women, we can change the world. So um I'm a women's life coach and I help women really go after all of the things they want in their life. And it doesn't have to be taking a trip around the world with their family. It can be falling in love with their husband again or learning how to stop yelling at their kids because when we when we do those little things, it, it ends up, you know, with a snowball effect to bigger things at the end. So um, my website for that is uh, Jessica Klasnick. So that's K-L-A-S-N-I-C-K dot com. Great. And I will link that in the show notes so people can hop on over and check it out. And are you on social media anywhere that we can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely, Kelly. It's Jessica Klasnick at Instagram and Facebook. I'm I'm all over those with fun stories and dancing and my kids. And um, we've got some inter- interesting changes we might be making as far as um, spending some time down in Costa Rica as well coming up soon. So I post all about that there too. Oh, awesome. I'm sure it is fun to follow along on all your adventures. So that's <laughs> exciting to, to know that some some new adventures are coming up for us all to get a, get a little peek at. Thank you for, for sharing. And thank you for taking your time out of your day today to be here and, and share with us. It was really fun talking with you. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. I so appreciate all you're doing in this world. Oh, well, thank you. Let's keep in touch. Okay, take care. That was such an awesome conversation with Jessica. Here are some takeaways. One, let go of the attachment of the feelings you have towards your things. Two, look inside to find joy, safety, happiness, all of those emotions. Three, to declutter, start small, just one room at a time. Four, What is your intention when buying things? Think about it before you make that purchase. Five, let your child see you practice mindfulness and meditation. Be a model. Six, everyone should be able to choose how and when they practice. Seven, we need to teach our kids to filter out the opinions others have of them. Let them form their own thoughts about themselves. Eight, let your child explore and find their own identity. Nine, we are all multidimensional. Don't let the world make you one-dimensional. Ten, Continue to grow your child's curiosity about both themselves and the world. And 11. Take one small step towards something you've been dreaming of. I hope that you enjoyed that episode with Jessica. She has such an inspirational story. And I hope that there are bits and pieces that you can take and 
use in your own life to be more intentional and move towards things that you've been dreaming of or a life that you want for yourself and for your children. I will see you all back here next Monday for Mindful Monday. And in the meantime, remember, take a deep breath. Thank you for joining me on my mission to spread peace and joy by introducing children and families to the power of yoga and mindfulness. I could not achieve this goal without all of you listening and trying these tips with the kids in your life. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please subscribe and leave me a review. If you would also suggest this podcast to parents and teachers, I would be so grateful. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Mindful Moments for Families and on Facebook at Kidding Around Yoga with Kelly. For more information on my offered programs, such as yoga classes for children and adults, workshops and professional development, and corporate chair yoga, visit my website at kiddingaroundyoga.com backslash Kelly. I'll see you all here on our next episode. But in the meantime, remember, take a deep breath.